Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Good morning. Our our reading today is Luke 4, verses 16 through 20. You may locate this text in your pew Bible on page 936. First, let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Second reading comes from the 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel, beginning with the 25th verse. This is a passage that is familiar, so let us listen with care. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. And wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him, The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, 
I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So Mark taught us that the best place to find Jesus is in the wilderness of our lives. That there Jesus will show up and now and then will grant us signs of God's promised day. And it was Matthew who reminded us that at some time or another, we're all going to need a teacher Not someone simply to give us information of what life should be like, but someone to show us. Jesus is that teacher. And today we turn to Luke, and some of my favorite moments in the ministry of Jesus are found in the Gospel of Luke, like, like the angel's visit to Mary, Hail, O favored one, or those shepherds. Those shepherds who learned to sing the angel's song at midnight. Luke tells some of Jesus' best stories, like the story of the rich man and Lazarus, or, or the parable of the Good Samaritan that we just read, or the prodigal son and the elder brother, who no doubt was Presbyterian, the elder brother was. <laughs> and Luke knows of that mysterious journey when on the road to Emmaus, when at table the bread was broken and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I love Luke, I do. But I will admit to you, confidentially here, Luke also annoys me. Not my favorite gospel. I don't know if a preacher is allowed to say that in worship, so we're keeping this just you and me and the internet. (laughs) I reread Luke this week and was reminded why he's not my favorite because Luke pushes me and sometimes leaves me slack-jawed in confusion. For example, Luke tells the parable, Jesus tells the parable in Luke of the dishonest manager who is praised for his dishonesty. Now, if that parable's not ringing a bell with you, it wouldn't surprise me. I've never known a preacher to preach on it. And Luke tells, Jesus tells the parable of the pounds or the talents, and he finishes with this. And regarding these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and slaughter them in my presence. Jesus said that. And regarding the demands of discipleship, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, is not worthy of being my disciple. We're not reading that on Mother's Day, I can tell you that. (laughs) Luke annoys me at times. And perhaps the most difficult aspect of Jesus that Luke knows is Jesus' impatience. He is insistent 
that things need to change, and they need to change now. In his first sermon, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. He's quoting Isaiah, who hundreds of years earlier had offered this as an image of God's promised day, of what life looks like when life is lived as God intends it. It's a lovely description of life as God intends it. It's a description where, where all that has gone wrong in life is set right, made whole. And I love that. You do too. And the people in Jesus' day loved it too. It was a favorite passage. But what we discover is we prefer it when it's describing something in the future, not something now. Because if it happens now, then things change. And they didn't want change. And we don't always want change. All of us, we have certain investments in the status quo. We, we do. And the way Luke tells it is that Jesus can see God's future with a clarity that the rest of us lack, and he is impatient for it to arrive. Jesus wants all of us to live as God intends us to live, and that sounds good. We don't argue with that. We just want to manage the schedule. And Jesus is ready for it to happen now. In Frederick Backman's novel, Us Against You, he narrates life in a small town, a town where all of life is defined by ice hockey. As we have seen recently, sometimes folks can confuse sports with something important. And at ice hockey or basketball, violence can break out. When that happens in a small town, it touches everyone. Kevin is a teenager in this novel and a hockey star. Everyone says he'll play professionally. But Kevin sexually assaults a classmate. And as usually happens, most folks side with the hockey star guy and not the girl. But Kevin's friend, and also a witness, surprises everyone and steps up and tells the truth. And people no longer know how to treat their hockey star. In a moment of grief, Kevin asks his mother, Mom, is it possible to become a different person? His mom, carrying the heartbreak of knowing that her child injured another, said, No, Kevin, it's not. But it is possible to become a better person. It is possible to become a better person. I agree with that. I even want that for myself and for others. But then Jesus, when he speaks of it, he gets impatient about it. He wants it to happen now. We didn't read the rest of chapter 4. You can read it this afternoon when you go home. 
But Jesus reads this old vision from Isaiah, and people loved it. People just loved it. It says all their eyes were fixed on him. But then when he says, okay, this needs to happen now, they not only didn't love it, but the hometown crowd chased him out. It says they wanted to throw him off a cliff. That's what he gets from the hometown crowd. The Jesus that Luke knows is impatient, and he insists that things need to change, and they need to change now. It was December of 1986. Carol and I were dating, living in different towns. She, she flew to town to visit me for a few days before she went home to be with her folks for the Christmas holidays. When she arrived, she discovered that my Christmas decorating was underwhelming. I had a tree. I had a live tree that I had received from the preschool at the church when they closed up for the holidays. They gave me their tree. It was about three feet tall, already decorated with strings of popcorn and some paper chains made out of red and green construction paper. That was it. I might have done more with the tree, but it was my first advent as a pastor, and I was celebrating that holy season with a case of the flu. Carol decided that the tree needed lights. What's a Christmas tree without lights, she said. So she went to the store, she bought some lights, she came back and she put them on the tree. I supported her, surrounded by tissues and Theraflu. And when the lights came on, that's when things went from bad to worse. I tried to tell her, no, it's fine, it's okay, really, it's fine. But she would have none of it. She had mistakenly bought those lights that blink. And... I don't know what your religion is about this, but I'm telling you, this was not going to happen in my apartment. It was almost a statement of faith as if Jesus might not be born if we had blinking lights. So back to the store they had to go and exchange, and finally we got the proper Christmas lights. Now, here's the truth. I didn't like the blinking lights either. But I just kind of made my peace with it. I said, it's okay. Just leave them alone. Just sit down. It's okay. You know, I'm like that a lot. Even when I know something should change, I'm pretty gifted at just making my peace with the way things are. That can be good sometimes. But sometimes, sometimes Jesus shows up and he's impatient. And it's not that I want to hurl him off a cliff or anything, but I do find him annoying. I find it irritating that he wants to insist on this schedule, that the change that needs to happen, why not today? Jesus tells us how life should be. The poor, they shouldn't be. And the blind, we all need to open our eyes to see what's true. And the oppressed, they should be treated like God's children as everybody else, with dignity. And that sounds good to us. We don't disagree with that. We actually want that, except when we don't want it. We want it, we just don't want the change that's involved with it. Now, why, why do you think that is so hard, really? Why, why is it so hard for us? Why, why are we so often both wanting 
and not wanting the same thing at the same time. I, I want things to be different. I am disappointed in so much. I, I want your children to go to school and not have to learn and practice what they will do if someone comes with a gun. I want to enjoy the World Series and not have to wonder if a whole team is cheating to win. If you're cheating at baseball, it's not baseball anymore. I, I want the people who leave work and go to our food pantry for food, I want them to make enough at work that they can afford to drive by our food pantry. I want, I want every child in this country, however it works out, to see a pediatrician every single year. I want, I want the news media to be responsible. And for those who make their lives, make their living lying, I want them to stop talking. The country deserves better. I want our young people to know that they are beautiful and they're not defined by one embarrassing moment on social media. I want churches, I want churches to stop being, being havens of racism. And I want churches to lift women up, not belittle them. And I desperately want churches to be safe places for our children. And I want I want us to be able to talk about things. I want us to be able to talk to one another with kindness and respect and not have to divide over everything. All of this means I want things to change. And you do too. Your list may be different than mine, but everybody wants things to be different than they are. So, so when Jesus says things must change, what is it in us that says, hold on, not, not so fast, I'm not sure I want it now? Well, several reasons maybe. One is we'd probably be surprised to learn how invested we are in the status quo. Probably wouldn't want to admit how afraid we are of sacrifice. But I think the biggest reason, maybe the biggest reason, this is how it seems to me, see if this makes sense to you. The biggest reason is revealed in this story that we love. Remember it with me. A man came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what do you think? He says, love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then he said, well, if I'm to love my neighbor as myself, there are a lot of people out there. How, how do I know which of those people out there is really my neighbor? How do I know which ones I'm called to love? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story. And he tells him the story, and you know the story. And at the end of the story, he asked him a question. Do you remember the question? The question was, 
which one of these was the neighbor to the man in the ditch. You see what happened there? He flipped the question. The man asked, which one of all those people out there qualifies by circumstance or, or what not, qualifies by circumstance or characteristics? Which one of them qualifies to be my neighbor? Which one of all of those am I obligated to love? And Jesus said, it's not about them. Which one was the neighbor? Neighborliness results not from who they are, but from whom you are. It's not about them. It's about us. That's what he tells this man. That's why it's so hard. The promised day of God starts in very real ways with us. Kevin asked, is it possible to be a different person? No, his mom said. But it is possible to be better. The truth is, that's what I want. Except when I don't want it. I both at the same time want and don't want what God wants. Because sometimes I'm afraid of trying to be a better person, I'll only disappoint myself. Or I might disappoint God. And so it's easier just just accept the status quo, just to settle. Say, it's all right. It's been all right for a long time. It'll be all right one more day. But sometimes, you know what this is like. Sometimes I really want it to be better. And when you're in that place, the wanting it to be better outweighs the fear of being better. Luke is the gospel you want to read. Because in that gospel, there's a very irritating Savior who has seen God's intention for us all. He has seen it with a clarity, and he is pleading with us to follow him, that he might show us what it looks like even in us. And he would love to do that now. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.